This is the EC Podcast, by and for emerging conservation professionals. This week, I spoke with Ella Hendricks, an administrator for the CNR program, about how the pandemic has changed the application process this year. I was also lucky enough to get an applicant's perspective, so be sure to stick around after my interview with Ella for a brief discussion with Amelia, one of this year's applicants to the metal specialty. So what has your involvement with the application process been in the past? Uh, in the past, I've been uh, attending all the interviews together with uh, the lecturers for each specialization. And this year, of course, because of the corona, we couldn't do those interviews live. So it was quite a big difference. Have you been involved in choosing students in the past as well? Well, my, my function is really to be there to oversee that things are done in a consistent way between the different specialisations. It's the lecturers that decide for each specialisation. But as I've attended all the interviews, if they want any feedback about what I think or my impressions, then I'm very happy to give it. And obviously this year it's been quite different than previous years. So you had to very quickly come up with a new way of doing things and who was involved with that decision making? Yes, we were um, of course already started with this, the selection process. So the online part, the first round had been completed. And then, well, basically we had the decision, can we go ahead without actually being able to meet candidates uh, to discuss their practical work in person? And we thought, well, really there's no choice. We want to go ahead so that we can allow students to start. So we quickly got together and decided a sort of format and try to gain the information that we needed in order to be able to make a good choice of candidates, in particular, if their expectations match to what we can offer within this program. And what was that process like? There were different stages, so um, it depends on the applicant. Some external candidates who have not followed the minor program of the UFA, they had to do the online tests. And if they get through and they're selected for interview, then there were uh, different stages within that interview. So we, we developed, we discussed and we developed a kind of general framework of the things that we would like to, to ask the students. And prior to the interview, a new thing that had to be done online was a Munsell colour test. Usually that's done in Amsterdam. So we had to look online and see what are the different options for a colour test, for a colour sensitivity test uh, to check for color blindness in different regions. We chose the months of color test because that seemed to be uh, quite easy to do and give uh, good information. And so prior to interview, the students had to do that online. It was supervised yeah, to make sure uh, that it was the candidate themselves doing this test and also to explain to them beforehand what it would involve. So each candidate had a 15 minute slot and they performed the test online, which sort of involved, well, you could see it as a, a series of lines with the colour at the beginning and end of each line was fixed. And then you had to grab and um, shift blocks of colour around to give a gradual transition. Oh, so similar to what we did when we were in Amsterdam. Exactly, yeah. But a sort of online version, which was perhaps even slightly more sophisticated because it gives you a nice uh, result at the end. It tells you exactly what your score is and which readings of the spectrum you're sensitive or less sensitive in related to your age and uh, gender. So then, yeah, the score was between uh, zero and 100, which was at first a bit confusing for some applicants because they thought if they got a low score, like four, 
that was not good, but actually the opposite is true because it means they only made four mistakes out of a hundred. So that's a very good score. Now, as you've mentioned, the practical element of the interview is extremely important. It's something that wasn't able to be replicated. Usually it consists of a colorblindness test, a physical kind of spatial awareness test, and then a drawing test. So was the physical element replicated in any way digitally? Well, that, that's something that's really hard to do. In fact, it's not really possible to do that. I mean, I suppose theoretically you could do some kind of practical test uh, online where somebody is watching, but we felt that that could put the candidate under, yeah, in the unusual circumstances and might not give a good impression of what they would usually do. So what we decided is to give more emphasis on the portfolio that the candidate has submitted beforehand and also to discuss live any actual objects that they had at hand. Sometimes this was possible, but because of corona, there were practical restrictions. So some candidates had not been able to collect items that they'd made because they were still stored at some different place that they couldn't access anymore. So there was some difference between that. But I think on the whole, we could get a very good impression of how the candidates thought about the practical aspect to get an impression of yeah, how well, yeah, how observant they are, whether they have affinity with the materials that they used, what they learned from making these uh, different types of objects, if they were able to reflect on how it went, what they learned from it, how they might do it differently the next time. So that's really what you were looking for during the interview process? Yeah, to see if they really have an affinity with using materials, a sort of natural curiosity. And of course, there's a difference between candidates because some are further in their career and some are still at the process of having discovered where their affinity lies. So you have to take these differences into account. Yes, because I know that with our program specifically, the professors don't necessarily exclude based on prior experience. They don't have a problem accepting a candidate who has little experience in the field. Is that accurate? That's correct. I think, yeah, the realistic situation you could see because, of course, the different programs, for example, in America, it's a requirement to have pre-program experience. So candidates tend to be able to show that they are further in their, their line of development than, for example, the Dutch candidate who's just completed the minor but may not yet have any uh, pre-programmed experience in conservation. So that makes it very important to take these differences into account and to look for sort of general pointers when people are talking about their work or sharing their work. You could say it's slightly based on intuition, things like if they're talking about objects how do they handle these objects? Is it with consideration and care? Are they, as it were, talking with their hands? Are they very tacit? Are they really interested in, in materials and feeling things, for example? These are all sort of important signals for if somebody has the right qualities to become a conservator. Now, what are some of the difficulties that you've run into this week that you expected? Um, I think one of the main, I would say difficulties, but concerns, we really obviously want to give everybody the best choice that we can. We realise what an important moment this is. I mean, I can think back to, although it's, yeah, it's probably almost, like almost 40 years ago, but I still remember my entrance exam to the programme and yeah, how important that is. So balancing the things that are offered by candidates with different backgrounds, different levels of experience, some are perhaps more used to using media like Zoom or online media, others might feel more uncomfortable. So trying to take all these different things into account and do things as equally and fairly as possible. 
And on more of a positive note, what worked really well this week? We have an evaluation meeting coming up this week. So then we will be evaluating this process. But I think it's fair to say, having already talked with the lecturers, that we were surprised uh, how much information you felt you can gain by an, an online interview. Another aspect that interested us because we realized that the usual process is very demanding, it's very time-consuming, quite expensive. Candidates have to pay their travel to come over. They're there for uh, a week to do these different sets of exams, different interviews. And so we were also interested if we could maybe economize on this process in some way, which could be less demanding for students. So I'd be interested when we have our evaluation, if we think we can take some lessons away uh, from this process that we can use for the next time we have this application procedure. Uh, what kind of students did you have applying this year? Uh, so we had 36 interviews in all, which was spread over four and a half days. So that's, you can calculate quickly, that comes up to nine interviews per day and roughly half those candidates and so 19 were Dutch nationality or live in the Netherlands and 17 of those were foreign residents so they, they live abroad. There's a great spread of countries between 11 countries. We had Singapore, Spain, Sweden, United Kingdom including Ireland, Scotland, Luxembourg, Russia, Switzerland, Czechoslovakia, Canada, Greece and the USA. So it's a fantastic uh, spread. And so, as you can imagine, it was quite a puzzle to organize these interviews. And here I, I really have to mention uh, Renée Kreisman, who's been coordinating this whole process. And she did a fantastic job in planning everything, contacting the students. So we conducted interviews that corresponded to eight o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock in the evening, local time. So it was quite a puzzle. As regarding the spread of applicants that was divided across the five specializations, that's book and paper, historic interior, metal, wooden furniture, and photography. Um, it's, it's always interesting, it's very hard to predict that the number of applicants applying for a particular specialization that tends to vary across the years, and we don't always know the reason why. So this year, by far, the most applicants were for book and paper. So there were actually twice as many applicants that got accepted for interview as there are places. So this makes it particularly tough, as you can imagine, to decide as the level of applicants was also very high. Then we had sort of historic interior, metal, wooden furniture in the middle. And we had less applicants for photography, which was very surprising given the uniqueness of the programme. So you could say that applicants for that program are in a, in a better position to gain a, a place this year. I'm really happy to hear that you've been considering this process uh, online as something that you would potentially explore in the future. You mentioned that you're going to get feedback from professors. Are you also going to get feedback from the students who participated? Um, yeah, it's a general thing, of course, of our program. We wanted to know how students experience things and take their feedback on board. It's really important because if we don't know that, then we can't change things so that we can make sure that we continue to do things that fulfill expectations and um, yeah, continue to improve our program. Mm. Now, one of the things I know that you really emphasize during the application process is that you want to make the entire experience as equal for all the candidates as possible. And potentially doing things online and in person in the future would make that a bit more difficult. Personally, I think that it's worth it, but what are your thoughts on that? I think there are pros and cons. I think what we really miss by this online process 
And I think what the applicants miss is the, the fact of being together, having the opportunity to really get to know each other over a longer period of time, um, to see how that would work in a group, and um, even to build up. I understood last time that that went really well, and that you even built up a network, which has turned out to be really a sort of comfortable base for starting the program. And of course, judging somebody's, um, well, how do we fit into a group? There are things you might miss about the personality online. And so that's one aspect, I think. The other is, of course, the practical test that you actually do when present in Amsterdam, which I think gives an even fairer opportunity to see how somebody tackles uh, practical work. You actually see them doing the work, which is something different than seeing just the results and talking about it. You can see whether they, they do this very systematically, you know, because it's not necessarily the result that is important, but it's the way you approach it and how you think about it. And obviously seeing somebody do this live is a different thing than, as I said, than just discussing a portfolio. And in regards to potentially moving the application process to an online option, as I'm sure you're aware, the diversity of our program could definitely be improved upon. In my year alone, of the 24 students, only seven of them aren't from Europe. Four of those are white American women. And of the numbers that you gave me earlier, over half of the applicants this year were still Dutch. And of the foreign nationals, only four of the 11 countries you mentioned are not in Europe. Do you think that moving this online would allow there to be a lower barrier to entry for people that wouldn't usually be able to afford coming to Amsterdam? Um, I, I could imagine that that cost uh, makes a difference. I mean, that's a very practical thing, uh, definitely. At the same time, I also wonder if there's an element of word of mouth, because we have, in general, noticed a, a rise in the number of foreign applicants, both within and outside Europe and further afield. I think that now 11 countries, that's, that's pretty diverse compared to you know, the first round of applications we had from people abroad when we first went international. So it could also be a question of time. Um, and I, I was really interested to hear from the first podcast also that you were also talking about the importance of online recommendations. So, for example, Taiwan, and they go back or they talk to their colleagues there, then it also makes the program better known. So I think that's a, a question of development, maybe. Yeah. And in addition to that, the museum field in general is not very diverse. So it's hardly <laughs> something that's unique to this program. No. Um, well, of course, the, the museum situation in general is a, is a matter of concern, also in Holland, a declining number of jobs. And, um, but at the same time, it gives opportunities for conservators entering in, yeah, into private practice who are hired in by museums. And I think in, in that sense, you know, it's open to all nationalities who might decide that they want to settle and work in Holland. I think there's, there's opportunities there. So uh, what are your overall thoughts on how the interview process went this year? Are you satisfied with it? My, to be quite honest, my first reaction is um, I needed to recover. <laughs> yeah. As you can imagine, it, it's really intensive, four and a half days of interviews with a weekend in between, you know, because you're trying to process all these impressions that you had. I'm quite relieved that in the end, I, I don't have to make the decision, although I am sort of thinking along with the lecturers who do. I've, I was pleasantly surprised by the information that we could gain from this. And I think it has certain advantages and maybe possibilities that we can take on board. But on the other side, I think we did miss that actual meeting candidates, the opportunity that candidates have to meet each other 
and yeah that the actual doing the practical tests doing that live and the opportunity to ask questions to the lecturers while in Amsterdam and to get to know to Amsterdam yeah we didn't really have a choice but I, I yeah I think that those are the things that were missing all right well Ella thank you so much for your time this has been wonderful nice to speak to you thanks a lot All right, hello, Amelia. If you could just tell us a little bit about your history with conservation, that'd be great. Hi, so I first became involved in conservation uh, actually as an archeologist. I had done excavation, but I was very curious about the other side of it. And I started volunteering in a conservation lab and then there was basically no going back for me. <laughs> and I really fell in love with it after my first conservation work. And how did you find out about the program to begin with? So once I learned about conservation, I started looking into all of the programs in the US and a lot of them are amazing, but I also wanted to see the other English language-based programs that were outside of the US. And the Amsterdam program just seemed so amazing. I actually read through a few of the master's theses that had been written by past students and I was blown away by the work that they had done and I knew that I wanted to be doing similar work. That's wonderful. <laughs> and you said earlier when we were talking that you're interested in going into metals, that's what you applied for? Yes, yes, I applied to the metals program, so fingers crossed there. <laughs> so this past week you did the interview process, but the application began before that. You started with the just general submitting your resume and portfolio, and then you took the tests online, which you passed. Congratulations. I remember those. <laughs> they were not fun. Uh, and then this past week, you did the interview process. Can you describe what that was like? Uh, yes, absolutely. So I was prepared for a much uh, more intensive interview process based on what I had heard before. So I had all of the materials for the physical tests because I, I had my ticket and everything to go to Amsterdam um, before the virus hit. So once that was canceled, everything was switched to Zoom. So we did a color sensitivity test and the interview. And so they already had a copy of my digital portfolio. So aside from that, it was it was just the color test and the interview. So during the interview, you got the chance to meet your future professors, if you're accepted, as well as I believe Ella Hendricks, who we talked to earlier. Yes, yes, I was excited to meet. The questions that were asked during the interview, were they focused on your background in conservation or what you had sent in with your portfolio? Um, they were split between both as well as some personal questions to get to know my personality as well because they didn't get to do that throughout the whole interview process. So I, I feel that they got to know both my portfolio and a bit about my CV through, through the Zoom interview. Did they prepare you at all for what it will be like studying in Amsterdam if you're accepted? Yes, Dr. Hendricks, he made sure to ask a lot of questions and uh, tell me a lot about what studying there would be like. So I was really grateful for that. Were there, were there any questions that you had about the program or living in Amsterdam in general that you didn't get answered? They they were they were able to field all of my questions. I had been preparing them uh, for a little bit, but I yeah I was curious you know to get some of the students' perspective. So it's great to hear that on the podcast. That was actually exactly what I needed to hear. Uh, so that's been incredible. Wonderful. Well, we're happy to have helped. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. Oh yeah, no problem. It's been such a pleasure meeting you.
All of us here at the EC Podcast want to wish the best of luck to this year's applicants. We look forward to seeing you here in Amsterdam in the fall. For a closer look inside the program, please follow us on Instagram at EC Podcast. And email us any of your questions and comments at ecpodcastxxx at gmail.com. This podcast is edited by Rachel Kriedberg. Our theme song is by Mene van Veldhausen and Paul van Laar. Our logo is designed by Adler Papiernik. If you liked this episode, please leave a review and subscribe. We release a new episode every Friday.